0: We've been having a really good time here for the last couple months talking about this amazing journey that we find ourselves on in the time that we live in. We've been talking about this segment of time that we live in between the time when Christ came and when the time then Christ is going to return again. We've been talking about the significance of this period of time and, and how it affects our lives and how the world is literally being played out in front of our eyes and it's, it's like a story that we're watching unfold you know we talk a lot about the story of God we talk a lot about the Bible and how in the very beginning of this story that God tells it's like a, it's like an amazing novel that starts with a a cast of characters and the very first man and woman come into the story as the creation and how God created this perfect environment for them to live in now everything about their existence was flawless totally perfect in every way the love that they shared between each other was perfect. There was no jealousy. Can you imagine that? There was no envy. There was no com- competition. It was a perfect love that they enjoyed, that God created for them. But this story begins to unfold, and we, we find another character coming into the middle of this story, this, this evil character, a snake, Satan, devil. He comes into this story that God is telling, and he breaks this perfect environment, And he invades this perfection and he he causes this, this chain reaction that has messed everything up that you and I live with to this very day. But if we were to fast forward all the way to the end of the story, there's a conclusion, there's a last chapter, there's a final, final twist of the plot, if you will. And if we were to read this like a novel, like just a a Stephen King book or some of your favorite authors, it would just be a page turner, and you'd get to the end of the book, and the last chapter would be completely focused on the coming of Christ. That would be the end of the story. It would be all leading up to this time when Jesus, the lion, this figure of strength, this figure of redemption, comes back into the scene of the world and says... It's time for me to wrap this story up. Now, in the scripture, we realize is that in this, in this story, there's a lot of questions. Because you and I are inquisitive creatures, and we want to know what's going on, and we want to know a lot about this story. And in the time of Jesus, it was no different. There's all kinds of predictions about this last chapter of the story. And the predictions all center around one question, really, and that question is, when will all this happen? When will Christ come back onto the scene that you and I see right now? Because the world that we live in, if we were, if we were sitting back like you are right now, watching a play up on a stage unfold, we would all want to be knowing When is the final curtain gonna come up? And when are the actors gonna appear? And when will the finale take place? And when are we gonna finally see the conclusion of this plot and of this story? And there are so many predictions about this. How many of you guys have seen driving down the road the billboards that say that on May 21st, Judgment Day will begin? Have any of you guys seen those billboards around town? They're all over the place. there's, there's a lot of people that have a lot of curiosity and a lot of interest in what people call the end of the world. How many of you guys ever saw that movie 2012? You guys remember that one? I, man, I, it was on TV the other night. and I'm just like, I had to record this one because the special effects of this movie were so amazing that it's like, if the end of the world happens like that, I just want to just, you know, like, be in a helicopter and watch it or something because it was so freaking awesome. It's like, man, buildings and oceans and all this stuff. But of course, that's, that's the most creative Hollywood minds that, that we know of. But they were talking about the end of it all. And in Jesus' day, they were talking about it then too. They wanted to know, when is this going down? And in Matthew chapter 23, I want to read you a little bit starting in verse, or Matthew chapter 24, excuse me, starting in verse 3, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. And his disciples came to him privately and they said, Lord, tell us when all this is going to happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many people. And you will hear about wars and threats and rumors of wars, but don't panic. These things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. He says nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. He says there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains that And there is more to come. He says to his followers, you will be arrested, persecuted, and even killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and many will be deceived. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold But the one who endures to the end, they will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. I want to stop right there. Jesus continues to talk for many more pages in our scripture text about different situations. He starts to talk in other passages about scriptures about this coming that he talks about will happen for sure. And he talks about this element of surprise that will accompany his return. He uses all kinds of analogies. He talks about it being like a thief that breaks into a building in the middle of the night. He talks about it being like a wedding party that is anticipating the arrival of the groom. They're all sitting there just waiting for the groom to come through the door so that the wedding party can begin. Jesus in other places talks about it being like workers whose boss goes away on a business trip. And he talks to the workers very directly and he says, Hey, your boss is coming back, so do what you're supposed to do. He talks about the element of surprise. He also talks in various places in scripture about being able to read the warning signs, about being aware of what's really going on and being attuned to it and looking for it. He uses many different analogies. He talks right here about there being a lot of strange natural disasters that'll happen in the world. How many of you guys have have seen anything around the world in the last several years? We've had typhoons, we've had earthquakes, we've had devastating fires and floods, we've had unbelievable, extraordinary events. Jesus talks about that and he says when you see these things start to happen, perk up, pay attention. In other places he talks about how there will be wars and civil rest going on. Any of you guys ever heard of a little place called Egypt? Just something to think about. He talks in other places about how it's like A harvest he talks to farmers and he says it's like planting seeds and waiting for the crop to emerge and he says a good farmer knows when it's harvest time he can tell just by looking at his crop when it's time to come and harvest it and Jesus says that's how it should be in our lives we should be aware of the signs he also talks about this concept of storms developing in the sky He says in one place, just as you can look off in the distance and you can see the storm clouds starting to come together and you can see the dark, heavy clouds coming your way, he says, what do you know is coming? Rain, hello. He's like, that's how it'll be when I come back. Look for it. It's amazing when you think about it how Jesus talks about this in such a common way. It's, it's almost as if he, he wants us to know that it's gonna happen, even though we don't know exactly when it's gonna happen. It's kinda like that sense of something's coming. Now, I have to make a confession to you guys here tonight, and, and many of you guys that have been around a while know that any time I say that, it's usually pretty good that I'm gonna confess something, and, and, and this is no exception. Many of you will be shocked by this, but I have never given birth to a child. I know, it's tough, but it's true, and I am the first to admit it tonight. I've never born a child. Now, my wife has, and i got to tell you, that in all three of her pregnancies, there came a very distinct time when you knew it was almost baby time. Now, you couldn't predict the exact moment that that little, what word would we use, Love, angel, child, monster, whatever, I mean, you know you my wife, we're dealing ah, it 's a side story, teenagers anyway, you, you don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but mom begins to know it's getting close, it's getting close. She can't move anymore. She can't get comfortable. She's as big as a, as a house, you know, a beautiful house. But, you know, she's, she's in a place to where everything she has is being used just to get out of bed and to be able to function. Hi, honey. She's in a place where she's got, she knows it's time to, to deliver this baby. You know that that's the exact analogy that Jesus uses? He says the world, the earth that we live on, experiences groaning and pain like a childbirth experience and he says it's coming and you're gonna feel it and you're gonna know the effects of it because it's close by in the book of first Thessalonians in chapter 5 I want to share with you some more insight into this amazing experience verse number one says now concerning how and when all of this will happen dear brothers and sisters we don't really need to write to you for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, well, that's when disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escaping. But you are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes just like a thief For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. For night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation." For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we will live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just like you are already doing. This this passage in Thessalonians was not written by Jesus. This was written by the Apostle Paul, one of the men who who came to his faith in Christ through an extraordinary set of circumstances. Not too long ago on a Wednesday night at Gravity Flow, we were doing a Bible study and we started reading through the book of Acts and we started reading through the story of this man, Paul, whose name originally was Saul and how he was this very, very religious man who understood scripture and understood the the law of Moses and understood all of the traditions of his Jewish faith very, very well. And we started reading through the book of Acts about his amazing conversion, about how he actually was in a place where he was going on a mission to go and hunt down and murder a group of Christians, a group of followers of Christ. He was on his way. He's going down the road to go and kill people when he encounters this amazing event. He encounters Jesus. And when this takes place, the Bible says that the account is that this man was blinded. He couldn't see. Physically, he couldn't see. And he fell to the ground and he calls out and he says, who are you? And he hears a voice and the voice says, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting, the one that you are basically hating, the one that you are opposed to. And we read in in the book of Acts this amazing turn of events about how he goes into this town and and he hears what to do and he follows the instructions and he finds a man. and, And this man is actually an enemy of his in their religion. This man is not somebody that would befriend him. This man is actually scared for his life. But God speaks to this man and says, I want you to find this man, Paul, when he comes to you and welcome him into your home and this guy is scared to death. He's like, this guy, this is the end of me. I can't let this guy in my house, but he follows after God and Paul finds Jesus. And in the story it says, Paul immediately begins to go and teach about the good news of Jesus. He begins to share the gospel. I tell you all of that for you to understand that this guy that is talking to us right now about the things of God is somebody who's been around the block. He's somebody who understands how big this picture really is that we're talking about. He understands it from an ancient viewpoint, the Hebraic viewpoint of understanding the law and all of its beautiful imagery and connotations and prophecies, but now he also understands it in intense detail with a prophetic understanding of God coming to him and revealing him to him what is really going to happen and how this is going to take place and in the middle of this Story that he shares with us in the middle of this passage. He tells us an amazing things. He says dear brothers You won't be surprised at the Lord's coming You won't be surprised now, I want to stop right there for a second because We're all humans and we all have questions and we all have emotions And we all have thoughts. And when we think about the Lord's return, there's all kinds of different thoughts and emotions that run through our head. Many of us instantly go to the thoughts of a loved one or a family member who right now is far from God. And we think in our hearts and our minds, God, what about them? I don't want this event to take place and for them to not experience the amazing joy of God, for them to not experience the salvation of Jesus. And our hearts go there, and that's where our thoughts go. Others of us think, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this type of an event to take place. I don't know if I am in a place where I can handle this. I don't know if I'm prepared. And Jesus says tonight, look around, be aware, Pay attention to what's going on, and you won't be surprised at what you see. I want you to think about what you would do if you got a phone call from a friend that you hadn't seen in a long time. Most of us in this room right now, have, we're out of high school, and, and, and maybe some of us developed a friendship with somebody way long time ago in, in junior high or high school. Many of us have connected with people through facebook and other social media sources on the internet and it's been a lot of fun to be able to dredge up some of those blasts from the past moments and see faces that you hadn't seen in a long long time and then for others you just want to you know delete them as your friend because you don't want to see those faces anymore i know i know how it is but but there's this phenomenon of us reconnecting with people that we haven't seen in a long time and I want you to think about what it would be like for you if you got the call from somebody that you hadn't seen in a long, long time, but somebody that was really close to you. And they said these beautiful words. Hey, Jason, I'm coming for a visit. Oh, man, what would you do if you knew that that long lost childhood friend that you hadn't seen in a long time said, I'm coming to see you, I'm coming for a visit. I know what I would do. I would probably get my calendar or I'd pull my brain out of my pocket and I'd start scheduling some time out so I could make sure that that when they got here, I could spend that time with them. I would I would probably want to make arrangements so that there was there was things for us to participate in activities for us to do together. There was there was just a planning and a process that went into getting ready for my friend to come. Some of you moms or, or wives or women here that, that take pride in your home and your environment where you live, you'd probably start scrubbing that place down and doing some deep cleaning and saying, you know, I've just got to make sure that everything is just right so that when my friend arrives, that they know that I've taken the time to prepare a place for them to come and be here. In other words, it would be a priority for you to get ready. And as we look at these scriptures, and as we look at a few more tonight, I want to ask you a simple question that you may not be able to answer right now, but it's worth thinking about. Are you prepared for Jesus to come visit you? Are you ready for him to come and make that call and say, I'm coming, I want to come and see you, I want to come and spend some time with you and and, and be with you? It's kind of an open-ended question that could go a lot of different ways, but in your own heart, you have to begin to think, okay, God, what am I doing to prepare? Am I ready for this? Am I really expecting this? And and, and am I really wanting this visit? In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it's very passion. Pass, pass, excuse me, very passionate scripture, and it's also very popular. It says, just as each person is destined to die once. And after that will come judgment. So also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. It says Jesus will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. It says that Jesus is most definitely going to come again. But he's not coming this time to deal with sin. He's coming for the ones who are getting their house ready for his visit. Eagerly waiting for him to come. The ones who have gotten the call. The ones who know he's on his way. The ones who are living in anticipation of that. There's two different views that we we can see this scripture, we can look at. Two different camps that we fall in. Two different thoughts that we may have. The first thought, if we're honest, is oh crap, I'm not ready for this. Right? Why do we feel that way? Well, some of us, if we're honest, are afraid. We're afraid, we are scared to death of what will happen when Jesus sees us. We're scared to death of what will happen if you were to walk through those doors right now in this very second come through. We're scared, why, why are we scared? I'm convinced that the source of fear that you and I would have comes from one place and one place only because we don't understand (laughs) that we have been forgiven. And we think that when Jesus comes, he's coming with a list. And he wants to make sure that we know, that he knows everything that we've done on that list. And our thought and our heart and our fear is that somehow, way, God is in the sky writing down everything that I do. Oh no. The Bible says that Jesus is coming again, but he's not coming to deal with sins. So how is that? You and I have sin, right? You and I deal with our humanity. You and I know about that list. Whether he's keeping track or not, we know about that list. It's real, it's present, it's daily, and we need to know what to do with that list. You know, there's, there's this amazing understanding that we find in Scripture that has everything to do with innocence and guilt all through it. We find stories that that Jesus tells and we find even stories in the law of how there are those that are guilty and then there's those that are innocent. And if I were to tell you here tonight that if you have opened your heart up to Christ and if you have asked him to be the Lord of your life and if you have turned from your sin and if you have repented of your old way of life and you have begun to follow in the steps of Christ and made him your desire and the one that you're after, you are innocent and there is no list. You say, well, how can that be? Because I still mess up. There's things that I still do that must be dealt with. Absolutely. There are things that you and I still do that must be dealt with. But the only thing that you need to understand is that you're not the one that deals with them. Jesus is. Now that changes things because if you get the call again from this friend that's on his way to your house to come and visit, and you put a little twist in the story, and this is a friend that you haven't seen in 20 years, but the last thing that you did 20 years ago was stab him in the back. How would that change your view of wanting them to come and visit you? How would that change your view of wanting them to come and be with you knowing that you did something to them that they didn't deserve? Knowing that you did something to them that they didn't have coming and yet they call you up and say, Jason, I wanna come and see you anyway. I don't care about what you did to me 20 years ago. I don't care about the past. I don't care about the history. I want to come and be with you. How would that change your preparation? How would that change the way that you're getting ready? How would that change the way that you're feeling about their arrival? Because for many of us, that's the most perfect picture that we can have of Jesus is that he wants to come and be with us anyway, in spite of what we've done. He says, I want to come and I want to be with you. That thinking needs to pull us out of the camp of fear and put us into the camp of expectation. Take us away from the, the, oh God, I don't want to see you, to the, God, I can't wait to see you. I want to be in the camp that says, Lord, I'm eagerly awaiting for me to lay my eyes on you because you and I both know what I've done and you're coming for me anyway. I want you, Jesus. I want you. Can you hear him? He's almost here, guys. He's almost here. He is close by, I'm telling you. He is almost here. In the last passage of Scripture that we find in the Bible, the very last story of God that we have written right here. Do you know what it says on the very last paragraph? It summarizes everything by saying this. The spirit and the bride, they say come. Let anyone hears this, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And then it says, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, this is Jesus talking to us tonight, yes, I am coming soon. And we say together, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, right now, we quiet our hearts before you. God, right now, we... We choose to put aside every fear and every hesitation and every worry. And God, we choose to open our hearts completely to you. Jesus, we are reading about the end of it all. We are reading about the fact that everything we see in our world points to the fact that you're right at the threshold. Our world is groaning for your return and those of us that know you we are eagerly awaiting your arrival so Jesus I pray right now that as we begin to go into this point of our service where we commune with you through the Lord's table and through prayer and through worship and through coming to you I pray O oh God that you would remove every fear and every worry and every hesitation and you would begin to instill within your people, joy, expectation, anticipation, hope, just an awesome feeling knowing that you're coming soon.